0: Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. I'm very happy to be with you again today. And thank you for tuning in with us. It's a privilege to study the Bible together. And I will invite you to bring the Bible with you, if you have a Bible around, and uh, try to follow us uh, into the study. Today, it's a very special occasion for me, because we are uh, in Germany Recording this program for you with a very multicultural panel here, and I would like before I will go further to ask each of the member of this panel to introduce themselves. You'll see and you'll be uh, impressed with the um, different backgrounds. But first of all, I, was, I will um, just introduce uh, next to me Ligia because you'll know her. We are here together, uh, myself and Ligia in Germany, as I just mentioned. Lija. Thank you for uh, being part of this uh, special Bible study.
1: I'm very privileged to be here.
0: And right now, I would like to start to introduce yourself, if you can, please.
2: I'm Anna. Hello. I like to be here. And I was born in Kazakhstan, and now I live in Bavaria in Germany. And yes, I'm 27 years old.
0: Very good to have uh, you with us. Thank you, Hannah.
3: All right. My name is uh, David Upria and I'm from South Africa and I'm 27 years old and also staying in Bayern, Germany.
0: Thank you very much.
4: Hello. My name is Johannes. I am a German, even though my parents came from Poland. And um, I'm glad to be here and study the Bible with you in this, at this very special occasion.
0: Very good to have you with us also.
5: My name is Francia Becker. I am from Mexico. But I live already here for years, and I'm glad to be here at this time.
6: Praise the Lord. My name is Eric. Uh, I'm from Germany, but uh, my mom's from Madagascar, so I wouldn't look German. I spent, however, I spent a year in Australia, so heads up to all Australians that are listening here. Thank you very much for that.
7: And my name is Stan Selbauer. I am 58 years old, and uh, I was born in Czech Republic when I was a small child. I got over to Germany, and now I'm here. Very good. As you
0: can see, today we have people from all around the world with the passion to know the Bible and to share the good news with everyone around. Please stay with us and be blessed with this Bible study. With no further comments, I would like to pass it to Stan. Stan is our facilitator today. And thank you very much, Stan, for preparing uh, this Bible study for today. The microphone it's uh, with you now.
7: Thank you, Nick, very much. Uh, I'm apologizing already for our uh, English, which is uh, flavored with the German and with the all the countries which are around. But I hope, uh, dear Australians, you will understand what we say. And I would say let's start with a small prayer, okay? Our dear Lord, we are so happy that we have the Bible and that we have an orientation and that we have families. Oh, Lord, we like to talk today about families and we pray. That you will bless us when, while we are reading the Bible and talking about very important issues. Be with us now and with our listeners. This we pray in your name. Amen. All right. So today we are talking about family time and especially turning hearts in the end time. Uh, maybe somebody can read the text. It's, it's in Malachi four, five and six. Is somebody able to read it?
4: Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers.
7: Now, Malachi was written about 400 years before Christ. It's a long time. It was the last prophet of the Old Testament. The prophecy is saying that Elijah will come and turn the hearts. The fathers to, to the children and the children to the fathers. Now, what did the people of Israel think would come before Christ? Obviously, they were
0: expecting Elijah to come back. Yes. Yes. Now, did he come?
6: What does the Bible say? Obviously, he didn't come. Uh, they, they were all expect looking out for Elijah. They had a clear picture of him. So when there was something happening, they were checking, okay, is it an Elijah type of person. And they didn't find someone. So.
7: Okay. I mean, when we read Luke one seventeen, what does it say there uh, about uh, what they expected? Can somebody read this text maybe? Luke one seventeen. yes.
3: And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the Father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Yes. In the
0: power of Elijah. Because Elijah had a special message in his time when the people of Israel, they were so much going down into idolatry and it was needed. God sent a special person to bring back his people. And I heard about somewhere, says that during the history, there were three Elijah. I mean, the one which was the Tishbit, Elijah the Tishbit. The second was John the Baptist. And this is what I heard, and I tend to agree with that, that we are the third Elijah. Why? Each one of them have a special message to tell people. John the Baptist, he came with a very special message to the people who didn't have a heart to receive Jesus. Because Jesus said himself, I came to my people and they received me not. And we live in a society in a time when people, many people don't know which direction to turn. And we have a special message to share. And that's the Bible.
6: I find it really, this message, I find it especially, I find it very uh, hopeful because uh, when we look around and we, when we hear when you look, take a look into the news, uh, it's all about terror. It's about, uh, war, whether it's economically or there's actual war happening. And we see more p- families that are being separated through refugee crisis or, um, or there is a shift between rich and poor. So actually I find having this Elijah personality in this world today is, is a hope that we have and something that gives us a new perspective for the future. So I find this, this very message of this Elijah person is someone we, which gave me a lot of, um, a lot of power to go through everyday life. Because when I think about what I'm doing at the moment, it doesn't really amount to something. And when I think about this Elijah, he gives me a new perspective, mm-hmm. something, a goal I can strive towards too. And,
0: and just to comment a little bit on what you just said. We live in a very individualistic society. And sometimes we think, you know, it's not my business to, you know, do this and that and so on. And most of the people will approach that type of, you know, interaction. But actually, we have a business, you know, and that's from God, that we should share the amazing news, the amazing blessings which God has in store for each one of us. And if we don't say it, who should say it?
7: So Nick, you said today we need uh also uh, this Elijah message because the people are very similar in a very similar uh how to say uh, uh mode like in these days of elijah now what were the circumstances in elijah's time what, what, what how were how were the people there uh, Francia?
5: yeah that is exactly we find these in first king sixteen twenty nine it is interesting what he said and maybe that I think maybe this is the reason why uh it is referred to Elijah because right there it tells in the uh, in the 29 verse 29 verse king 16 29 in the third thirty eight year of Asa king of Judah, Ahab began to reign uh, reign over Israel and he ruled for 22 years. Ahab did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any other king before him. What um, Jeroboam had done to displease the Lord was mild in com- um, comparing to Ahab. And on top of that, when we continue reading, he said that he married uh, Jezebel, that she was the daughter of the high priest of, of Baal. So it was not like another times. Yes, the king have done something wrong and the people follow. He decided to go way more and say, this is what I will do. I don't care that the God of Israel. I continue and I will do it. I don't know. I'm almost thinking that maybe he was feeling proud
1: to do it even more evil than any other.
0: Mm, Very good point.
1: So Omri was the father of Ahab, and he done also, he, he, all his life, whatever he done, he done everything against God. And Ahab's, his son also was very bad. He didn't obey God. And, uh, because he married Jezebel, the uh, Sidonian wife, she brought into Israel Baal, the immoral, uh, life slided into the f- uh, families and uh, practices of incest, prostitution, and uh, other uh, sexual perversion. And uh, it, it was the need of Elijah to come in this situation because, because over generations the people were against God and there was a need of Elijah over there to say that they have to repent of their sins and start a new life. And now Elijah comes and says, okay, now Jehovah is my God. What do you want to do? Do you want to serve Baal or do you want to serve God? So here Elijah came and uh, his experience with God came, just like a wake-up call.
7: So you say the religion of Ahab, the king, which became not anymore, but, but was mixing the religion with false teaching had a direct effect into the families. Now, what what effects were there? They, you, you just said it, but maybe we should repeat it. What effects has it when the religion is going down? If the religion does not keep the truth anymore, and if we go astray, what does it bring to families?
0: I, mean, I think Ligia just mentioned a few of them
7: like immorality, for example. Now, can we say this is today the same case?
1: I think so. Yeah.
6: Well, I think when we, when we have a look, just how marry the, the, the divorce rate is uh, going up and so on. And when I see what, especially my friends are experiencing in their personal life with their partners, I just think, uh, that's really harsh. What's happening today? Um, I mean, you want to get to know someone and, uh, you want to, want to have someone who you want to trust, but then it turns out from one day to another, they are, just disappearing out of their lives with for no obvious reason. So I think um, we have a huge issue that is arising, which is the issue of trust. And I think um, that is harming our society, especially when it comes to loneliness. When you're going somewhere, who can you trust? And I think that especially plays a part in our interaction with each other. When you go out or when you have a look in your workplace, uh, who of you work colleagues would you invite back home?
5: Mm.
0: And also interesting that uh, we mentioned a bit earlier the prophecy of uh, somebody to be sent to turn hearts back to God. In our time, just look at this. God had a message for people. And that's briefly encapsulated in the Ten Commandments, if you like. Most of the Christians, they don't want to talk about the Ten Commandments anymore, uh, even though they will uh, talk a lot about the love of God, which is great. But God wants us to understand his will for each one of us. And in the Ten Commandments, actually, it's so nice and clear to see how you can um, be safe in a Christian walk with God. But today, myself, I come across with uh, many people from various denominations saying, ah, oh, you are a legalist because you still want to keep the Ten Commandments. And I will say most of the times, so why, why do you think I'm a legalist? Because I'm not keeping the Ten Commandments to be saved. I keep the Ten Commandments because I am saved through Jesus Christ. It's a result. And if you don't see that result, then I may be a hypocrite, you know, just saying one thing and do another. And that's what I believe. It's very important to have a clear message, to blow the trumpet with a clear signal today, not to try to mix it, you know, together to be pleasant to people as what Ahab just did with uh, through his wife, you know, who had different influence in her life to worship different gods, you know, the Baal. Yeah, I, think, I think we are very much in a similar situation like uh, in that time.
7: So if you look at these countries today, the Christian countries, I mean, Australia is a Christian country, Germany, the country of Reformation. And you go out and ask the people about their faith. They say, oh, don't talk about it. It's a personal thing. And if you just re- see that uh, many Christians do not go to church anymore, they do not believe main uh, issues from the Bible. I mean, if you just ask them, does Jesus come again? Puh. Many have no idea. Many do not even know the Bible. And you can go to Sweden, you can go to other European countries, from my country where I'm coming from, Czech Republic. I think they say 10% are only believers. I mean, it was a country of reformation like Germany. Uh, You go to Sweden, you go to uh, Netherlands, you go to France. It's uh, horrible. There is hardly faith you can find.
6: I find it very interesting what statement you're making because I would say, um, yes, uh, the Christian faith has kind of disappeared uh, from what we see today. Like you don't talk about, oh, did you go to church or not, and you know, you're not talking, making these discussions. But through my way, through when I went, when I think about my travels, wherever I went, I think there are only very few people who are not religious. So we 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 are becoming we're coming into a society. Uh, where we're not following a certain faith, where well, I would say like the Ten Commandments, is, especially the part with, um, with the laws for the, for human interaction, that's, that's just common sense to me. But there is an increasing amount also that we try to shape our faith and to decide what is good and what not. So, um, for example, I've got my boss, uh, she would consider herself a Catholic however she believes in rebirth so um that was like oh yeah that's odd to me i grew up in a very catholic country uh or region and um so i see more and more okay we are coming uh into a we are living in a society where everyone has their own faith but what is actually the what is your basis of your faith and um how do you make it clear because what else i discovered what is highly recognized is that you have kind of an edge to what you're thinking.
0: And I'm not sure, Stan, uh, probably you, you're coming um, up to the next point. I'm trying to talk about the family of God. Because uh, God always wanted to have his family being visible in the world. In after the first people, you know, experience sin, and was that break in between God and human being, God wanted that family back, and he gave some sort of indication and and laws and rules to identify that family. Now, we are over 2 billion Christians in the world. We may say that this is the family of God, but is it? I mean, can we identify ourselves as the family of God? who will do the will of God, because we can say things and not find ourselves following God. And you you remember probably that story when people will come to Jesus and will say, but God, haven't we done in your name so and so? And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you because you were lawlessness. You know, you did your own thing rather than to follow me. And that's what I believe. I'm not sure if I, if I jump the gun here, uh, probably you'll come back to that thing, to the um, how important it is the family to be united. You know, the family to speak the same thing, you know, not to be dysfunctional.
7: Yes, I mean, you can, you can say if the government is not uh, in unity, like it was Elijah and Isabel, right? The one wanted to go left, the other one right. The other one was Jewish, the other one was Baal. If, if the government and the churches, even the heads of the churches are not united, how can the people be united? It affects all the society.
3: I just want to add to that point. You know, I think also we live in a, in a time where, you know, you get distracted very easily by, things that you have to do like life becomes a rat race you have to make money you have to do this you have to do that so and i find it myself you know that sometimes you really forget to do personal worships because this you know you're too busy thinking on uh, focusing on other things that also family relationship is also very important this also influences you know the time that you have with your partner or all these things
2: yes i think um that Our foundation uh, should be the Bible, the Word of God, and I think it's very important to worship, and it's very important to worship in the morning. First talk to God and first read the Bible, because we build with these our lives and our days, and when we start with the Word of God and uh, go day by day and build our foundation on uh, these principles, in the bible so we grow more uh, and we became like the character of god and so i think it's important to start in small things to be um a light in the world mm.
6: i think also um that we, we as christian especially we have to stay clear that our basis of our faith is the bible because when i look at things that are happening right now in australia um regarding some um some sportsmen it's, uh, there is a different expectation t- towards us Christians. However, we have also to bring across that message that we have something we believe in and that this is not just something that people expect us to do. However, there's something that has more depth to it, something that you can't necessarily see, but certainly feel when you come into our homes that you can feel, um, when you're interacting with us. So, um, And this can also be summarized, what we can find in the Word of God. And this is not just simply uh, some paroles that we shout out there, but that is something you can see and feel and read
0: with your own eyes. Very important to be a united family, because when we're thinking about the Christianity today, there is a tendency, I mean, there is a talk about the ecumenism, to be united, but united in what? United in truth, or united for the sake of being uh, united, because here is the difference. we need to go back to the original to the Bible to understand what God wants from us, not just uh, as you mentioned just to do your own things that what whatever you think is right yes
7: i uh, I just read a wonderful statement it's uh, it, it fits perfectly to to this what you said, Nick and uh, uh, and Anna before, especially about the the personal Bible study. In the book, Desire of Ages, page 141, it says, uh, when people trust to the guidance of human authority, none will come to a saving knowledge of the truth. So if you only trust on other people, what they say, what they believe, and they put uh, you, the doctrines of the Bible on you, if you don't study for yourself, as Anna said, you will never come. To a saving knowledge of the truth.
6: Now this has like, this had disadvantages. It has a huge advantage and a disadvantage, I think, for all of us. Um, the, the, the advantage is that we can make our own decisions. We have the freedom. The disadvantage, you have to put a little bit of self effort into that. You have to think a little bit about yourself. Okay. Is that something for me or not? So uh, I was wondering, um, how much thoughts should you put into making such decisions? That's a good question. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, if we have a free choice given by God as a gift, so if I decide to go on the right to serve the Lord, so it means I'm going to serve the Lord with uh, a whole heart. If not, I'm going on the other side. And also is mentioned in the Bible that God doesn't like yeah lukewarm people. So because we have this example, we have to be hot or cold. Lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth.
5: Yeah, no, I only wanted to say, um, and especially, I, I think for all the listeners, here we see if there's somebody who doesn't know exactly the story, they can read it in first king, what we have mentioned before, 16 and on. But what he's saying to this prophecy that we were talking about in Malachi is talking about that he will send, he will send a prophet. So this is something that I think even what we're mentioning now, we should always have in mind that when it's not of our own initiative that we come with this seeking the Lord, it is not our own. It's God who are already putting this in our hearts, and we are the ones to decide whether we want to accept it or whether we want to reject it. So I think even at this moment when people are listening, they're listening because God has already put in their hearts to listen this message. And they have to decide, oh, what I have listened, will I continue studying, or I will just let it go. And this is what, what was the message that had to come. And what I found so interesting is because it was in this time of Israel, then it was before Jesus came. And hes still now, before he come, he say he 's not only going to come, I will give you the opportunity, I will give you the chance i 'm calling you to be saved because I love you, I really want you to be safe so it 's not from us it 's not that we think, yeah, okay, we have this this message, we have this power no it 's not going to come like that that 's what we need to seek the Lord
0: I think you put the dots in the right place there because it's so true the initiative comes from God always and uh, he did amazing things which we, our mind is not able to even comprehend you know the love of God uh, but we need to answer to that love and today is our chance but today is the time when you need to turn your heart to God because yesterday you may have done something you know good or bad it's gone uh, you cannot change it. Tomorrow may never come for some people, but today is an opportunity to really draw near to Jesus.
7: So God is calling for a decision, right? And now if you go back to the story again of Elijah, he was on the Mount Carmel. Now what happened there, really? There was a showdown between, between the room. There was, right, one person, Elijah and?
2: 450 persons.
7: On the other side, Baal priests.
1: False prophets. False, False prophets. prophets, yes.
7: And now, what did Elijah ask the people who were watching? What was his question?
4: How long are you halting between two opinions?
7: Exactly. And then he even asked, now who is God? Is Baal God or is the heavenly God God? And what did their people say? Kept silent. <laughs> yes. Yes, Johannes, they kept silent. Why? Because this was a very direct question.
0: You have to to really ask yourself on which side I am. Just coming on that stand, very important thing because people, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. I think it was everything going well, and actually, by the way, the country Israel was not doing bad during that time, you know, except of that big uh, drought which came because God gave them uh, like a sign to see that there is somebody in charge, you know, but they, they were um, used to, I i would say, good life. And they, that's important to me, they got so used to the apostasy that they could not see the difference. They could not see what are they doing wrong. And the silence maybe was a big, big answer to, to that thing. Even today in, in, in the time we live in, because I like to apply, you know, all these things, what we study in the Bible for us today. I believe majority of people are in search for something better. Even though in different parts of the world, you know, the life may be better than in other parts of the world, but everyone has something which is not r- quite right there. Mm. And that something can create a silence. Here, I believe is the, good message, you know, good, because God is sending, like a prophet, God, through his to the people who like to really open the Bible and expose the truth of the Bible to the Christianity today, not all to the Christianity, to the whole world, I believe this is the prophet sent by God.
7: So this is fantastic. God is sending all the time uh, prophets and people who are calling out uh, the people into uh, sincerity, into coming back to God and uh, how was it in, in Jesus' time? I mean, it was in Elijah time, it was bad how was it when Jesus came? What did the people expect? Elijah to come, right? We said that. Now, it was interesting that uh, John the Baptist took this position and they were somehow uh, mixed up. They said, oh, we thought Elijah would come personally but no. What did Jesus say about it? What was his reaction when they asked him, "Is him is he Elijah?" What uh, did did Jesus say? No, he, he it's it's uh, John the Baptist. He is a kind of Elijah, as you said. He came into, in in the spirit of Elijah, and now we are living in th- just before Christ is coming again, second coming again, and we said it is the same uh, mindset of the people. Do we need uh, Elijah' message today? And what kind of message must this be? What would you
0: say? And he was coming with a strong message to the people who were under the suppression of the Roman Empire, but they were still, they got used to that thing. And they, it's amazing how a human being can adapt to the situation. And Israelites used to say, Oh was it better in Egypt because we have our cucumbers there and whatever it is it's not so good in the desert, yeah. Even though God was taking them on the way to the promised land in Canaan. And that's where we are now. We are into this travelling if you like to towards the heavenly uh, Canaan. And are we attached too much to this world? to this uh, life, you know, uh, in everyday experience.
6: I find you're making a very interesting point. I mean, um, and I think I can quite relate to that because, you know, um, being not the same color as the other kids and growing in, in a mixed faith, mixed, um, mixed let's say, say, race household, um, I was always the odd kid. I didn't believe what the other kids believed so it didn 't eat things that the other kids didn't uh it did eat and um so yeah, my father he grew up uh in the aftermath of germany world war II. and um so he saw what nationalism does, so he tried everything to uh remove that from my education. And for a long time, I was struggling to kind of find my identity because I couldn't relate to nationalism or really to, uh, to other things, to hobbies, because they wouldn't give me the depth that my faith is giving me now. So, um, I find it's really interesting where your heart is attached and, um, how, what is actually, what is the thing you desire the most on the long run? It's interesting that uh, you had to choose too, right? Yeah, but it's it's actually when you think about it, uh it's a hard choice to make because you might say okay, like, hey, I'm I'm from Australia. So I'm Australian. Yeah, um I'm from Germany, I would say my heart is still in Australia, so what am I? So um it is it is something quite challenging if you can't fill that void uh that is in your heart where you think, okay, I need a place for that.
0: Yes that's a good uh, good observation and um, do you feel like part of the family of God today? Do you have uh, in your heart like uh, a message a clear message which God would like you to to expose and to to just share about your God, your father?
2: Yes, I think um, we are all able to um to be um, a part of uh, this family because um God put it in our heart. And I think we we should um, live this, what God is giving us, and um, go the right way. And the question is, where am I at home? I am on the one side,
1: or I am on the other side? God sent Elijah to renew the covenant of the people on the part of his nation. Turning back to the fate of their fathers that would bring healing to their lives, their homes and their land. So Elijah came to the people and said again, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is, if, if Baal is God, follow him. So, uh, God impressed him to make and give them an experience. So we know the experience. If we read In uh, First Kings chapter eighteen, starting with verse twenty, and so on. In chapter twenty, verse twenty-two, Elijah said, "Okay, now take two bulls. So come and prepare the bull and put it on a on a fire and set it on a fire. So then you call the name of your God, and uh, you know, God, your God will answer." because this is a, a sacrifice to your god now let's see if your god answers to you or no so we know the story they they were there you know shouting and screaming and dancing and so on calling on the name of their god but nothing happened and elijah let them do that till afternoon of the day so it was a a a, a big day for them okay in the end they were tired and exhausted, and I think they had enough. Now, it was the turn of Elijah, and he said, Okay, now, all the people come here around me. And Elijah started to repair the altar of God. So, sometimes there, in that place, we don't know how long ago, there was an altar of God, and it was already uh, ruined. But now he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. So Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. So with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two sheaths of seeds. It means lots of water. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. And they did like that three times. Now, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. And he said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. So this point, it just crossed my heart that Elijah is asking The Lord God, that you are, I'm not turning people's hearts to you, but you are the only one. So in the end, so the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones and the soil, and also licked all up the water in the trenches. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried. So they recognized that God is the Lord. So they said, they cried, the Lord, He's God, the Lord, He's God. And I would like now to apply this in our lives today. In our families, maybe our altars in our families are broken or are ruined. We wake up in the morning. We don't have time to, to do the. The morning uh, devotion or the evening devotion, maybe we are, we are too tired. In the morning, everybody goes to school, to work, and we rush here and there, and our altars are already ruined and broken. I think this is a call for us to start to repair the altars in our families, to reunite our families and bring the Lord God in our families again.
0: I think you you made a very good point there, Ligia.
5: No, I'm, I was, I think for both sides, a Christian and a non-Christian that is listening the program. And I'm thinking, okay, we, the Christians, we know what we should be doing. Sometimes we're not doing it, but we know. What about a person who is for the first time listening to the program? He have not hear about this. How this person will repair the altar of the, the Lord when he didn't have it? But if we go back to the story of uh, Elijah, we can read right there when he went to this widow. God sent him to a person that was not from the Israelites, a person who didn't know about God. And this Elijah come and tell the widow, you know... She's about to to make fire and then use the last the last bit of flour and oil that she have. And then she say, then they, they will die. And Elijah said, yeah, go do it, but do first for me and then for you and your son. And then he said, but she was like, how? I don't have more. And then he's like, yes, but my God, he will provide for you. He will make that this doesn't the the flower doesn't um is finish and the oil and this my God will provide. And she stepped on faith because she didn't have any reason to believe and the situation was really bad. So she stepped on faith and faith to try the God of Elijah. And even later her son died. And it was even more, it it was so interesting because she said then, what are you doing? Are you punishing me for all my sins? And it was interesting too. So for the listener that is thinking, God, oh, this God will punish me for all the things that I, I did. It is not like that. God only wanted her to show how much he cares about her. And then she was able to reunite with her son, and she had believed the God of Israel. And that I think sometimes that's what we have to do, too, to go out to the people. But we need to have this was, too, with, with John the Baptist. He was humble. John the Baptist really is amazing. And when I think, wow, um, he knew his mission. He knew what he had to do. And when and did this, and even when people were saying, are you the Christ, or are you this, or are you the other? He was able to say, no, it's not me, it's him, look at him. And I think sometimes that's what we need, but he spent a lot of time with God. And he was able to say, no, don't look at me, it's him, he will give you salvation, not me. I'm nobody, it's him the one who made the difference.
7: So God can be found, right? Now we have three more.
3: Yeah. So to, to add on that. So yeah, like we said, God is the one that really, you know, is, uh, he works a salvation. Um, but what I also think is you need to be willing also in your life. Like the example with this widow lady, um, she was willing to, her faith was tested. Um, and she, although she had so, little um ingredients left you know to bake a bread uh she first did what elijah asked so that was a test of faith and you know um sometimes i think it's um, you know if not always you know you have to make that first step um and then god can step in and i mean i think also we can backtrack it again to to families also if you uh, realize there's a problem in your family for example um, the the well, the first step I think, I think would be to identify that problem, like Elijah with, um, you know, with these 450 bull uh, prophets, you know, he identified the problem and that is obviously the bull priests, uh, and uh, they were also killed at the end. Um, the, so he took away the problem basically. So you have to identify the problem in your life and you have to, um, then ask God to help you to correct this problem. Otherwise, you cannot grow.
7: Very good. So we have to be honest to ourselves, right? What is the real problem? Yeah.
4: An important aspect I find in the story of Elijah is you talked about rebuilding. He was rebuilding the altar of of Jehovah on, on the mount that was in ruins. I just discovered that he took 12 stones. And I think that has a symbolic meaning because the people of Israel actually were 12 tribes. And in a way, he was... I think trying to tell them, have you forgotten where you, where you come from? Because they came from, from a person with the name of Jacob and later he was renamed by God. Um, he gave him the name of Israel and he had 12 sons and those 12 sons were the, 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 the pioneers or the fathers of, of the whole people of Israel. And Jacob, um, he was in a covenant relationship with God. And I think Elijah was also trying to point them back. You have forgotten your origins. And that's why you have lost your identity. You have lost your, your bearings. You're in this world. You're like, like water in the ocean. You're, you, you go here, you go there, but uh, you don't have a a, a fixed position. You don't know where you're going really. And that's why your life is not really, um, it's not really enjoyable. And I see this is a message that the world today needs very much. Because we have lost our bearings too as well. And many people are in search of identity and they don't, they don't find their identity in pleasure or worldliness. Um, it's not in formalism. It's, it's not in religious rites that are empty in themselves. But, um, I think of a verse, um, when we come to the third Elijah, maybe you will still mention it, but it's in, it's in Revelation 14, six and seven. And, um, it's in the symbol of an angel, and he's telling to the whole world. He's talking to the whole world, and it says here in verse 7, he's saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And I believe this is the message, a very important part of the message that people need to hear today, um, because here a God is introduced that is the Creator of all the world and of all the people. And people have to know you don't come from the apes. You don't come from primitive soup or from the rocks. You, you are a child of God, but you are a lost child. But God was so gracious that he sent his son and searched for you. And now he's, he's giving this message to all the people and telling them, come back. I want to lead you back to your origins. Um, think about who you really are and don't be cheated by, by, um, by a cheap deception of, um, there is pleasure and identity in what the world offers you. It's not. It's, we can find only, only if we find back to our true family, then there will be healing. Our true father will give us healing in our, in our, um, personal families fathers and and children will find together and that's that's the solution for all our problems
7: that's absolutely right Johannes and this is what we need today Eric what do you say um,
6: I would say also to add to that um, at some point of a Christian walk I grew up and I got baptized when I was 14 but I would say at some point I was like okay so what is all this about I was like I, I felt like I was this. I, I had this question. So, what does it mean to turn back to? And I would, I would quote. Like, I would like to read my favorite Bible verse, which is to be found in Isaiah one verse eighteen. It says, "Come now, let us reason together," it says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And something amazing I found about that is uh, that. It is a very personal God. It is not a God of nations of Australia or Germany or South America, Argentina. It It is a God who wants to take me by the hand and also wants to reason with me. It's not just like, oh, yeah, I I feel better. It's all about grace and I can do still everything. I feel relieved. No, it's actually he's, he's going to take me along on a journey where he will help me. He will actually do the work. I'm not doing anything to my salvation but he's doing he's doing it. And some last thing I would like to add to it uh, is a beautiful sentence which a famous author wrote, wrote that God desire us to, desires us to heal us and to set us free. Um and this is a very in, a very important point I want to bring across which I felt in my life and um which has moved me a lot because I said okay yes God take me and i would encourage every person in his life to make this decision okay god i want to reason with you so take me along show me what is life about absolutely and i know time is just going so quickly
0: and we are coming to a close um, just in uh, maybe just few more minutes uh, we will have for this program but i would like to just uh, bring uh, before we close then a um, couple of things we were uh, learning today about uh, a time when God's people meet God at the altar with Elijah there, and another time when God was also, also searching for his people at Jordan, when John came and show the will of God. And we are in the time when God wants to again show his um, desire to draw us near to him in the end time. And if there was a time in a history like this today we live in, Probably is, is that where we fit in, you know, today, the later days. And are we prepared, that's my question, to give that message which Elijah did or John the Baptist did? Because there are so many people not knowing and maybe silence will be in many people's uh, minds and, you know, heads. Are we able to share that uh, gospel? Stan, I'll just let you close. Uh, I know this study comprehended a lot of things. You know, from the beginning, in in the last three months, we were looking at various things, how the family should prepare for a time when Jesus will come and will say, well done, good uh, servant.
7: I think we could go on and on, right? that topic is a big one. But let me maybe summarize it uh, by one word. We are, through Jesus Christ, a part of the family in heaven. So it doesn't matter, listener, if you are alone at home, or if you have a nice family, or if you are divorced, or if you are in prison, or if you are whatever you are, an orphan, you are not alone. There is Jesus Christ, who is your Father. And we are in Jesus a part of a big family. Thus, whether we are a family or one or more, we are called to be witness for God we profess to serve. And nothing can make our witness more effective than to show the world what a family, regardless of its size, can be through the power of the gospel. So the gospel is changing us. And we are so happy. I mean, just at the end, a short story of my life. When I saw my mother and my father, my father didn't believe. My mother believed. She became a Seventh-day Adventist believer. And I saw the difference in a family with Christ and without Christ, I chose Christ, and today I am so happy to be a Christian, and I found my family in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And maybe you listen outside, think, oh, what what kind of church is that? Well, try it. Come and see. Did Jesus say? And Nathanael took it. Come and see and and try it, and you will find friends brothers and sisters and a family like never before what do you say nick
0: Mm, that's so so well said uh, stan and uh, as i said just uh, one or two minutes left here i would like to just uh, bring it to the panel here first of all thank you so much for being part of this uh, discussion what would you say to the listeners uh, in Australia but also all over the world because we are broadcasting on the internet also and uh, please keep in mind uh, follow up with us uh, on um, fate fm um, and also in Australia you can listen to different uh, frequencies like 88 fm uh, 87.6 and 87.8 but a message from each one of you i would like to to see
3: yeah, I would read, I would like to read a quotation also from, um, an author. It's from a book called Testimonies for the Church, volume nine, chapter two, uh, called to be a witness. A special, uh, sense, in a special sense, seventh adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and light bearers. To them as uh, uh has been entrusted the last warning Uh, for a perishing world on them is the shining wonderful light from the the word of God they have been given a work of the most solemn import Um, the proclamation of the first, second and third angel's message there is no other work of so great importance they are to allow nothing else to absorb their attention wonderful and Johannes.
4: Yeah, I'd say um, family is very, very precious, it's something that is remin- uh, reminding us of, actually of paradise. And wherever you are, or in whatever situation you find yourself, guard this treasure, guard your marriage, guard your children, um, spend time with them, and don't let the society or current trends. Just, um, wear away all those preciousness of the family. Um, because today there's a strong trend to dissolve everything and everything goes. And this is just not true. There's not many ways leading to, um, to fulfillment and joy. There is only the, the way that God is showing us because he's the inventor of family. So I, I strongly encourage you to choose, choose the way to walk with God.
7: Wonderful. Francia.
5: Yes, I would like to leave the listeners with Isaiah 54, 21 and uh, 22. And I will recommend that whoever listens, they put their names in there. I think it's really wonderful. And say, the Lord says, remember, O Israel, you are my servant and not someone else. I have chosen you to be my servant and mine alone. I will never forget you or forsake you. I have swept away your sins like a cloud. Like a morning mist, they are all gone. Come back to me, for I am the one who saved you. Super.
1: Remember that if you are God's child, God takes care of you no matter what the circumstances. God took care of Elijah after he announced the drought that uh, the drought that uh, should come God just le- led him into the widow's place to take care of him she wasn't uh, rich she didn't have she had just a little bit of flour oil um, left uh, on the bottom of the jar but um uh, she had a little faith in God and she used that faith and she trusted God she trusted the words of Elijah And don't you think there were many widows over there in that region? I think there were lots of widows. But God sent Elijah in this place to strengthen her faith, and especially uh, after her child died. I think uh, God knew that this woman has to give his uh, uh, her heart to him uh, fully. So remember, the uh, the Holy Spirit comes to your heart, calling you, Come and give your heart to the Lord. So make quiet, quietness in your heart and, um, distinguish God's voice and give your heart to Jesus now when, when the call is coming because maybe it won't come the second time.
2: So I would like to, um, especially address, uh, the young people in, in our world in, uh, Australia and, um, of course, all the world, uh, the whole world. Um, I would like to say, go with God and um you will never regret because he has a great plan for your life and he has a great plan for you and for, for me, for everybody, of for everyone of us. And because you are young and you have all the whole life in front of you and I want to say to you that you will never regret to choose this way.
6: And Eric? I would say something um something you I would say that we, I learned this uh the recent weeks made me remember a lot of my time in Australia when I went to church back there because I experienced something I haven't experienced really before that regard that in a nice family and I mean here in this case church family it can be also your family at home you can have a taste of heaven when the spirit of god abides in your family that is a foretaste of heaven and that is such a sweet and amazing taste. I encourage everyone to be part of this, of this family of God. Wonderful. I will end with
7: the beginning, what, what you read in the beginning, just to remember the text in Malachi. And this is the end again. And we summarize it and it wraps up really. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So please, if you listen to that, I just read one sentence. If pride and selfishness were laid aside, five minutes would remove the most difficulties. If you have any problems at home, with your parents, with your brothers and children, or whatever, please go to Jesus, give him the problem, and he will help you. Thank you very much,
0: Stan. And uh, I would like to just uh, uh, close with these thoughts. Um, as Ligia mentioned a bit earlier, we are talking about family uh, in the last period of time, and um, how uh, we can experience all sorts of things in a, in a family, good and bad. But it's time to draw near to God and repairs repair all those uh, broken altars and um, have a wonderful experience with God. I would like to thank you uh, all for uh, participating to this Bible study. And uh, most of all, I would like to thank you uh, for uh, allowing us to record here in uh, Germany from Amazing Discovery uh, Center. And uh, I pray uh, to God that uh, everything what you do here will uh, help more to advance the good news, the gospel to the whole world. I look around here and I see a mixture of uh, young and not so young, but most of all young people here in the panel. And um, I was uh, so privileged to be part of this discussion. And to all our listeners, I pray to God that you will uh, really have a a blessed time uh, together with us. And please don't forget Until next time, keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Thank you very much to all.